I'd invite you to grab a seat. Uh, If you snuck in late or in case you missed it, uh, my name is Chris and uh, I would love to extend a really warm welcome along to you here with us at Beyond Church uh, tonight. The way we normally do things, if you're regularly with us, is we like to have series and so what we'll do is for a number of weeks we'll take an idea or we'll take a theme or we'll take a topic and we'll uh, unpack it over a number of weeks. We'll go deeper each and every week but There are times where we just have one-off messages, where if you come for the night, you can take it and you can run with it, and that's exactly what we're doing tonight. Tonight is a little bit of a more uh, different one-off message, though, because we're we're essentially uh, having a family meeting tonight. I wanted to use this opportunity to have a bit of a family meeting, and if you're new, you're like, oh, whoa, what did I just walk into? Uh, We want to let you know, if you're here, uh, you are part of the family. You are so welcome, and we are so glad you're here. There's nothing you have to do. There's no boxes you have to tick. There's no donation you have to give. You are part of the family uh, if you're here. But the reason, the reason we wanted to have this meeting is for a couple of reasons. First of all, there are so many people here at so many different stages of life. Some of you are single. Some of you are married. Uh, Perhaps some of you are divorced. Maybe some of you are in high school, maybe some of you are at university, maybe some of you have been in the workforce a long time and you're in your dream job. Maybe some of you are just at a point in your life where you're in a job right now and you're, you're waiting for that dream job. So many of us are just at different stages in our life. And so many of us are at different stages in our faith journey. For some of you here tonight, it, it might be inconceivable for you to, to remember a time when you didn't go to church. In your uh, life, in your, with your family, you have always grown up in the church. And for some of you here tonight, this might be the very first time that you walked into church. You don't even, you're not really even into the whole Jesus thing. You just kind of came because a hot girl or a good-looking guy invited you and you thought, if I come along tonight, then I'll have a date for Valentine's Day. We'll square that away. We'll get it sorted. And then maybe some of, there are some of you in between. Like, well, I've got some questions about this Jesus guy. And, and I'm not really sure where I sit on the fence, but, but I have got questions. I, I need some answers. And regardless of, of what stage of life you're in, or at what part of, of uh, your faith or your spiritual journey you're on, we all have something in common. We all have an impression of what beyond is. Whether you've been here for 15 minutes, or whether you've been here for the uh, incredible one and a half years that we've been around, which is really, really short. You have, if someone was to walk up to you and say, what is beyond? If someone was to say, what is beyond? You would insert something in that space. And, and it is so easy, isn't it, for us to be able to insert and say what a group of people do, what a person does, what an organization does. But sometimes it can be really, really difficult to know why they do it. Why do they do it? In fact, chances are, chances are you have had a moment in your life where you did something. Maybe you texted him back. Maybe you called her back. Maybe you were overdrawn on your credit card and you still went shopping anyway because, you know, treat yourself. Maybe for some of you, uh, you, you took that job and you know you really shouldn't have taken it and, and things are just not working out. And, and maybe it was in the car on the way home. Maybe it was at the coffee shop on the weekend. Maybe it was while you were looking in the mirror. But, but you knew exactly what you'd done. But you looked in the mirror and you asked yourself the question, why 
did I do that? And so tonight, maybe you were here and you saw a guy sitting on a stool and you're going, I know what he's doing. He's absolutely kerfuffling his way through trying to solve a Rubik's Cube. Like he was tanking it majorly. Like he had no idea what he, what he was doing. And we look at it and we say, I know exactly what he was trying to do, but I have no idea why he was doing it. Don't worry, I promise I'll explain in a minute. But the reason that we're having uh, this conversation tonight is because we want to bring some clarity around why Beyond exists. And so tonight, my aim is that you will walk away and you'll have the answers to two questions really, really clear in your mind. First of all, you will know why Beyond exists. And second of all, you will know what you can do. If you're that way inclined, if you're like, yeah, I buy into that why, then you will know what exactly it is that you can do about it. And, and I want to tell you uh, why Beyond exists, but in order to do that, first I need to give you a little really quick history lesson. If you're not a history buff, do not worry. Uh, I promise uh, I'll make it short and sweet. And, and some of you, you'll, as I give this history lesson, you might be like, where is this going? Trust me, it's going somewhere. J- just bear with me. I want to give you a history lesson about first century Jewish education. First century Jewish education, because there were three stages, uh, three levels of first century Jewish education. Unfortunately, ladies, uh, the the first century Jews hadn't really caught up and it was only for boys. And uh, you could imagine that kind of like we have today, there are three levels of education, uh, primary school, high school and university. And so the first level was a little lower than primary school, maybe part way of primary school, and it was called Bates Affair. And in uh, Bates Affair, uh, every young uh, Jewish boy up until about the age of 10 memorised the first five uh, books or the first five pieces of literature that were a part of the Jewish scriptures. Uh, we might know them if you've been in church for a little while. They're the first five books of what we call the Old Testament. If you have no idea what that is, uh, the Bible is just a collection of books. It's just the first five at the start. Okay, First five books right at the start. And then, if you were the best of the best, This wasn't like Australia. This wasn't like you passed primary school and then you just got to automatically go to high school. No, no, no. If you had memorized it, if you were the best of the best, then you qualified for the second level. And the second level was called Beit Talmud. And Beit Talmud, in that level, that would would last for about four or five years. And that would essentially take you up and you would memorize the entire Old Testament as a 14 or a 15-year-old. You would have it memorized cover to cover. And then, if you're the best of the best of the best, what happened was, is you would approach a rabbi. So at 14 or 15 years old, you would approach a rabbi. And this is the final stage. It's called Beit Midrash. And and what you had to do in order to qualify for Beit Midrash, I know it sounds a little weird, but, but what you would do is you would approach this rabbi and you would say, I want to follow you. And then the rabbi, he would sit down and he would say, I've got a couple of questions for you. And he would grill you. He would ask you all sorts of questions. And then he might even make you, you know, do some things and follow some practices to see if you met his standard, to see if you qualified, to see if you were worthy enough, to see if you were good enough to be called his disciple. And if you were, then you got the opportunity to spend the rest of your life following this rabbi around, learning what he learned, doing what he did, taking not just his knowledge up here, but the way he lived his life on board, so that one day when that rabbi died and when that rabbi moved on, 
uh, from this life that you would become the rabbi and you would take on students and you would begin to train them. So that's the history lesson done. So we're going to jump in and I want to give you clarity tonight with that in mind around why Beyond exists and the why you might have heard us talk about it. See, our vision here is to create a church that unchurched people love to attend. And so with that history lesson in mind, with our vision in mind, I want to take you right into first century Jewish culture. In fact, I want to take you to a beach that ran along a region in Galilee. In fact, this beach ran along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, in this, I want to take you into this story that uh, the author Mark wrote. And Mark wrote this account uh, uh, after hearing and collecting this from uh, other people who had hung out with Jesus, other people who had spent time with Jesus, and he wrote this down. And so this is how Mark talks about the very beginning of the Jesus movement. Before there was Christianity, before there were followers of Jesus, this is the very beginning of the Jesus movement. And it starts like this. One day, as all good stories do, Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. If you wanted to edit it a little bit, Jesus was walking along the beach. Ladies, not only can he turn water into wine, but he likes long walks on the beach as well. I'm so glad Jesus wasn't alive today, fellas. Like, we would have no chance. Like, Tinder won. I don't know if you can win Tinder, but if you could, Jesus would have won it in this day and age. And so he's walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he saw Simon, and he saw his brother Andrew. So Simon and his brother Andrew, and he uh, throwing a net into the water... For they were fishing, uh, for they were, yeah, for they fished for a living, tongue-tied. They fished for a living. And, and what this means, what this means, maybe you're thinking, okay, well, this is on the Sea of Galilee, right? Maybe uh, there's a commercial fishing industry there, which there was. Well, so the people went there to fish, right? That, that was the job they pursued. Now, these men fished for a living because they weren't the best of the best of the best. They didn't qualify to follow a rabbi. We don't know what level of the education journey they got kicked out at, but they were deemed not good enough. They were deemed not worthy to follow in the footsteps of a rabbi, which in that culture was was what every young Jewish boy grew up to want to be. I don't know what you grew up to want to be, but if you're a Jewish boy in the first century, your dream is to grow up to follow a rabbi. And the most painful thing that I can imagine for these two men is that because they're in a commercial fishing industry, you know, there's lots of rabbis and there's lots of people coming to the markets to buy their fish. And every single day, they're confronted with the reality that they're not good enough. Every single day, they see rabbis and their disciples walking through the markets. Every single day, rabbis probably come up to them and ask to buy food or fish or seafood for their disciples. And every single day, they have to look at and they have to see And they have to be reminded that they did not make the cut. They're not good enough. And Jesus calls out to them. Now, if you're Simon and Andrew and Jesus calls out to you, the first thing that's going to go through your mind is, this guy is horrendously lost or hungry. Because there there is no other reason that he's calling out to me. Maybe they've heard a little bit about Jesus. There is no reason that a rabbi is calling out to me except for the fact that he has no idea where he is or he's really, really hungry and he wants to scab some fish off me. But Jesus calls out, and Jesus says something that you wouldn't expect any other rabbi in this culture to say. And he says, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for men. In that moment, 
Jesus extends an invitation to these two men that fills a void that they had been waiting years to be filled, that fills a void that they were so aware of every single day of their life. And that void wasn't to have a rabbi. That void was to be accepted. Because that's all they wanted, to be accepted and to be able to follow a rabbi. And Jesus walks up to them and he says, I want you to follow me. I'm not looking for what every other rabbi in town is looking for. I don't see what every other rabbi sees. Because you see, every other rabbi has students come up to him and prove their worthiness. In fact, I want to come to you and I actually want you to follow me. And then it says this, Mark records this, it says, they left their nets at once and they followed him. And what I find super interesting, maybe you're at a a stage on your journey and, and you think to yourself, there is no way I could possibly just leave everything and follow Jesus. There is no way I could just turn my life around and follow Jesus. And I want you, if that's you, I just, I just want to speak directly to you for a second because I want you to notice something that we often just skip over. And maybe you've skipped over this and maybe you've heard some stories like this and you just think, how could they do it? Well, they didn't follow Jesus because they had all their questions answered. They didn't follow Jesus because Jesus walked up and said, hey, here's everything you need to know to be a follower of me. Here's everything you have to do to live your life perfectly. Now you can come. No, no, no. Jesus just says, take a step. Follow me. They didn't follow Jesus because they knew their life was going to be perfect. They didn't follow Jesus because they thought, oh, well, this will make us look better in society. They didn't follow Jesus because they thought, if I follow this guy, my life will be so smooth and breezy. In fact, if you know how this story of Jesus and his followers plays out, you know that actually most of Jesus' followers, these 12 disciples, actually ended up dying for the fact they followed Jesus. It was anything but easy. But they began following Jesus because Jesus in that culture extended them an invitation that broke down every single barrier that had stood between those two men and experiencing the radical love of God. Because in that culture, they were told, you must be worthy, you must have a rabbi follow you, you must follow this list of rules, and then God will love you. But Jesus steps in, and Jesus tears down every single barrier that stands before them. And from this seemingly random day, on a seemingly nothing beach, in a backwater suburb, in an area that most people have forgotten about or don't even know where it is, the Jesus movement was born out of the chrysalis of Judaism. And from that day on, Simon and Andrew and Jesus got more and more followers. Some of them are really, really popular. You might know them as the 12 disciples. Sounds kind of churchy and holy. Uh, We kind of like to refer to them as the dirty dozen here at Beyond. Because honestly, if you were going to pick... 12, uh, 12 men to start a movement with you, you would not pick the 12 Jesus picked. He had a tax collector. He had like a religious fanatic, uh, sorry, a political fanatic. He had a uh, fisherman. He had everyone that you just don't pick. He even picked a traitor to follow him. These, these were the people you did not pick. And then Jesus went beyond that. And in the, in the followers of Jesus that we don't necessarily know the names of, we know that there were men and we know that there were women. So Jesus crossed the cultural bound that the culture had built up and Jesus broke the barrier down. He said, anyone is welcome to come and 
follow me. So why? Why is beyond creating a church that unchurched people love to attend? Why is it our vision to do that? And it's simple. We want to remove every single barrier that stands between a person and experiencing the radical love of Jesus. And the reason we do it is because we've experienced that love and it would be selfish of us not to break down every other barrier so that other people have the opportunity to experience that. Have you considered for a minute how many people go through life and never experience unconditional love? Have you considered that there are so many people out there, maybe in this room right now, who've never experienced what it means for someone to love them without conditions? So many people do not know that 2,000 years ago, God wrote himself into the story. 2,000 years ago, God stepped onto the pages of human history as a man and walked among us. And then he was brutally executed on a cross with nails in his hands and in his feet because he wanted to show unconditional love. And as he hung on that cross, covered in the blood and the spit of his own creation, he was bringing down every single barrier that stood between us and God. He was making a way for us to experience and have a relationship with a God who loves unconditionally. And doesn't unconditionally love us after we've done something, but looks at you and me right as we are and says, I love you and I want you on my team. And I am I'm so painfully aware as I say that, that there are some of you in this room and maybe some of you have friends. And over the years, the church hasn't removed barriers, but it's built up barriers that have stood between people and experiencing the love of God. But we here tonight have an opportunity to go back to the very beginning of the Jesus movement, to go back to the heart of Christianity and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and begin to break down those barriers. And if I'm honest, we we would love for you to make this thing your thing. Maybe some of you have been coming along and people are like, oh, what are you doing on Sunday night? You go, oh, I go to this thing. It's called Beyond. Oh, what do they do at this thing? And maybe, maybe you're kind of like testing the water and you're sussing it out and you're like, I kind of like this thing and I don't know what this thing really is about. I don't really know how to get involved, but I'm still kind of, I'm just testing it. I'm not sure what it's all about. And tonight we would love for you to make this thing your thing. But first, there's a couple of things you need to know. There's a couple of things you need to know. First of all, it's not for you. And I know, I know that sounds offensive, but, but just hear me out. One of the signs and one of the characteristics as you move from youth to adulthood is that you begin to realize that not everything in life is for you. In fact, when you were little, chances are your parents did a lot of things for you. In fact, some of you are probably too old and your parents are still doing stuff for you, okay? You need, you need to stop it, okay? You need to do some things for yourself, Okay? Some, and, but your parents, when you were younger, did things for you. You, know, you didn't have any money of your own. They gave their money for you. They washed your clothes for you. They made food for you. 
And one of the defining characteristics of adulthood as we get out into the world is we realize, actually, not everything is for us. Not, the world is not for us. The world is not centered on us. And so beyond, I know it sounds harsh, but it's not for you. It's for people to experience the radical love of a God who died on a cross 2,000 years ago for them. The second thing you need to realize is it's not about you. And I know, I know that's hard to hear coming from the guy out the front with the microphone. <laughs> that's easy, Chris. It's all about you, though. It's all about the worship leaders who get out the front. And trust me, it is so hard for us, for all of the communicators and all the people at the front, as much as we want to make it about us, it is not about us. And the reason that we do any of this stuff we do is that we've actually realized it is not about us. And in fact, I would, I would go as far as to say it's the most worthy thing that you can do or I believe that you can do in this life is to give your life to a greater cause. And so those of us who, who are in a role up the front and those of us who serve here, we do it not because it's about us, but we do it because it's about allowing other people to, to experience the love of Jesus because we've experienced it ourselves. Because I believe and we believe here that life is actually found when you give up your life for something greater, for something more than yourself. The final thing you need to know as well is it's, it's not for you, it's not about you, and it's not about cool. I know that some of you probably heard, oh, they want to create a church that unchurched people love to attend. They're just trying to be cool. They're just trying to be cool. No, we are not about cool. We are about human beings. We are about relationships here. Sure, do we like things to look good? Absolutely. Who doesn't like things that look good? No one walks into a place and goes, oh, this is rubbish. I just can't wait to come back. Do, do we want the music to sound incredible? Of course we do. Who walks into a bar and goes, this musician is terrible, I am definitely buying an album? <laughs> no one. We want to create a, an environment that's irresistible. We want to create an environment where people actually want to come back, but we don't do it to be cool. We do it because we are all about human beings and we are all about relationships and we want people to walk through this door for the first time and say, hey, they actually care about me. And they want to hear my story and not so they can get something from me, but because they're actually loving me. And through that love that they would experience the love of Jesus. And we can, um, when we realize these things, when we realize that it's, it's not for us, it's not about us, and it's not about cool, we actually begin to move in sync together. Because if we don't move in sync together, if we don't move towards a vision together, over time, what starts to happen is we start to do things that pull us away and drag us away from our vision and our why. And all of a sudden, one day, we wake up and we are doing a lot of what's. And all of a sudden, we wake up one day and people can tell us what we're doing, but they cannot tell us why we're doing it. And we'll wake up one day and we'll be the guy with the Rubik's Cube on the stool up the front of everyone and you know exactly what they're trying to do but you can't explain and you can't say why they're doing it. And we don't ever want that to happen here at Beyond. And maybe some of you right now, you're sitting there and you're thinking, so what can I do? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's the last part of my notes before we wrap this up tonight. So what can you do to help make this thing your thing? 
to help us create a church that unchurched people love to attend. But we have, we have a, a thing, another thing, here at Beyond called For Monday. Because we believe there's no point coming to church on Sunday if it's not beneficial, if it doesn't help you for the rest of the week. And so here, here are the three, there's three things that you can do. The first thing is you can begin to invite in fact, on your seats as you walked in, you may have seen, uh, there's an invitation. Uh, if it's not on your seat, there's one around you, maybe the fans blew it off. Uh, an invitation for a series that we're launching next week called Just Do It. And in case you're wondering, no, it's not a sex series. Um, I'll just put that in the moat of dead jokes. That just went right over. Uh, I apologise. I'll write a better one next week. You've got to try it every now and then. Uh, so, and we want you to invite people. We want you, if, if there's a series, if there is something that someone you know is struggling with and we're talking about an issue that would be beneficial for them, we want to create environments where you can actually feel comfortable inviting people who have never been to church before. We want you to invite. The second thing that you can do, or maybe we want to encourage you to think about doing, is to be all in. We want you to be all in. Maybe some of you have been here for a while and you're kind of looking at it from the peripheries, you're kind of just sitting back, just seeing how everything happens. And you're not sure, but you dip in your toes in the water. I want to encourage you tonight to make this the night that you go all in. And so this week, what we've actually done is we've actually cancelled all our connect groups across beyond because this is so important to us that, that people go all in. And this Thursday night in the back, as I said in the, in the intro, we are having team night. First of all, because we want to pour into our leaders, but secondly, because there are so many teams that go into uh, this night and this experience that you share right now. There were people here hours before the service and people who are here uh, a long time after the service finishes packing up, tearing down this environment, sound checking, getting everything set so that you can come into this environment and actually want to come back. And so we've created team night and the first part of that night we've got Matt Matt Sweetman coming out. As I said, uh, he's one of the pastors out at Bridgie and he's going to talk about how to balance work life and ministry. And just in case you're wondering, like, oh, great, a pastor to come talk to me about how to balance work, what would he know? Uh, Matt's just, this is his first year or second kind of year in ministry. Before that, he worked at Ernst & Young in the city, uh, and he, he worked a, a quite uh, intensive full-time job, as well as running a massive young adults uh, ministry at the church that he was at. So he knows really, really well how challenging it can be to balance everything and juggle all, uh, everything that you've got going on. So we want to encourage you to come along to that. And if maybe you're thinking, I want to get all in, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, have to you know, be involved in a Sunday, what, what can I do to serve? Well, I'm glad you asked, because this Saturday, we, are, we have Go Beyond, and we are going out. We've got a whole heap of teams, a whole heap of crews, and we are going out in a local, uh, like I said, we've got a whole heap of people, nominated people that are in a need, who are struggling a little bit, and so we're going to go out and help them and lend a hand, whether it's through cooking, uh, whether it's through doing some yard work, whether it's some moving some furniture. And so at our Connect Desk, uh, you can fill out a card and you can tell us what you've got. If you've just got your hands, that is great. Uh, Come along and give us a hand. Go all in. And then the third thing that you can do is this, is you can be a vision carrier. See, it's one thing to cast vision. It's one thing to talk about vision. It's another thing entirely to carry that vision with you wherever you go. So maybe for you that looks like memorising the vision. Memorising the fact that we are a church, uh, sorry, that we want to create a church that unchurched people love to attend. And taking that with you so that when you interact with people, you actually show them what a church that unchurched people love to attend looks like in your interactions.
Because at the end of the day, the bottom line is this. The creating a church unchurched people love to attend is about breaking down barriers. About breaking down barriers so that people can experience the radical love of a God who died on a cross for them. And 2,000 years ago, the world was completely changed on a seemingly innocuous day when a Jewish rabbi slash carpenter walked up to two fishermen and said, follow me. The world has been changed once before and we have the opportunity to change it again. We have the opportunity to create a movement where people experience the love of Jesus. So invite Go all in and be a vision carrier and help us break down barriers and create a church that unchurched people love to attend. I'd love to pray for you right now and I'll invite uh, Mahalia back up there. Play some beautiful keys in the background. Make it super spiritual. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for what you've called us to at this place. Lord, our prayer is that we may keep this vision at the forefront of our minds so that over time we don't drift. At over time, we don't become that person playing with the Rubik's Cube, knowing what we're doing, but never quite grasping or understanding why we're doing it. Lord, I, I pray for people here tonight that maybe in the past for them there have been barriers placed in front of them. And Father, I, I pray that tonight that maybe for the first time one of those barriers would have been broken down. And that they can begin to take a step towards following you. And and Father, for for people uh, who are part of this community, Lord, I pray that they would begin to invite. That they would begin to go all in. They would stop sitting on the sidelines and that they would throw themselves wholeheartedly behind this vision. And that they would carry the vision with them into their workplaces, into their schools, into their universities, into their families around the dinner table. And Lord, that we would create a movement that w- of breaking down barriers, not for ourselves, but so that people can experience the radical love of Jesus. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.